0: Well, good morning. Hope you have your Bibles with you, and if if you would, go ahead and turn it on or open it up or whatever you do to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Today we're starting a short two-week series called Noticeable. I looked up the definition for the word loud this week. The word loud means having exceptional volume or intensity. In other words, it's noticeable. It's noticeable because it has exceptional volume or intensity. I did a little research and I found out that the average human voice registers at 25 to 35 decibels. The average human voice, 25 to 35 decibels. Of course, I bet you know some folks that are way above average, don't you? Don't name any right now, that would be a little embarrassing. So, the question is, how high is too high? How loud is too loud? Well, health officials have set have sat, or set or the ouch meter at 115 decibels. That's the volume, that, the level that can really start damaging your hearing. Starts damaging your hearing at 115 decibels. Now, as I did my research, I discovered that the loudest band ever was the who. You remember the who? You bunch of heathen! <laughs> well, the, the band known as the loudest band ever, uh, the Who, they once in a concert in 1976, they had a concert and the volume was measured at 126 decibels. To put that into perspective for you, if you were standing out at a runway and a 747 jumbo jet took off, that would be 140 decibels. So, the who was right up there with the jumbo jet in their volume, but that 's not as bad as the world 's loudest car stereo in nine or i 'm sorry in two thousand and two a group of German car engineers built a car stereo that produced one hundred and seventy seven decibels It was led the team was led by a sixty four year old school teacher, who, insta- who installed this giant speaker system in a Ford Bronco. I think I've sat beside that guy at a red light. You know, we talk about loud music, we talk about loud talking, we talk about loud thunder, we talk about loud trucks, we talk about loud kids, and most of the time, when you talk about something that's loud, it's not in a positive connotation. When you talk about something or someone that's loud, you're talking about something or someone that has exceptional volume or intensity. Loud can be downright irritating sometimes. I mean, more than likely, I doubt that your wife has ever said, that TV is really loud, but it's wonderful. No, loud is sometimes irritable, but watch this. Loud is always, always Noticeable. Without exception, it gets our attention because it's loud. On Saturday, March 23rd, we're going to have a day that we call Love Loud. We don't want it to be a day that's irritable for our people, but we want it to be a day where it is noticeable. That we love the community, and more importantly, that God loves the community. I mean, what if, just think with me for a moment, what if... We could make God's love noticeable on that day. What if on March 23rd, we could get the attention of the community by serving their needs and helping them with something? What if on March 23rd, we could turn up the volume and demonstrate the love of Christ in a tangible way? On March 23rd, hundreds of us, the Lord willing, will go out and we want to have a love that is noticeable as we love loudly, it might surprise you to find out that Jesus once talked about living a life that's noticeable. He did that in, in Matthew chapter five. If you haven't opened God's word to there yet, I hope that you will. Matthew chapter five, <clears throat> beginning in verse 14, here's what Jesus said about living a life that's noticeable. He says, "You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Every one of those three verses is talking about something that's noticeable. Being noticeable. Look at verse 14 again. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Your life should be noticeable, he's saying. Verse 15, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house because it's noticeable. And again, in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven because your life is noticeable. Someone has said that the best way to spread Christianity is to be a Christian. We should have a faith that's not invisible. We should have a faith that's not secret. We should have a faith that is noticeable. That German pastor and theologian, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, put it this way. During the days of, of Hitler and, and on all of the things that went on during that time, Pastor Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, there can be no such thing as secret discipleship. He said either the secrecy will destroy the discipleship or the discipleship will destroy the secret. So today, using this text, I want to talk to you about letting others see your love. Letting others see your love. Looking at this text, I want you to notice what I've already alluded to, that God calls you to live a life that is Noticeable. That's the first point. God calls you and He calls me to live a life that is notice, noticeable. You see, the world has a need, God has a plan, and it involves you. I'm going to say that one more time. The world has a need, God has a plan, and it involves you. Look how Jesus said in verse 14, You are the light of the world. Now when He said you, Y-O-U. Who was he talking to? Well, originally he was talking to the twelve disciples. We look up to those men. We hold them in high regard. Some of them have books of the Bible named after them. So we hold them in high esteem. But when Jesus spoke these words, they were not held in high esteem. When Jesus spoke these words, they were not well known. They had just started following Jesus. They had just left their fishing nets. They probably still smelled like fish. They were just starting their journey of being a disciple of Jesus. And he takes them away uh, to a place there near the Sea of Galilee, and that's where they did what, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus taught them, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. They were brand new to the faith, brand new to the idea of following Christ. They were not influential. They were not famous. They were ordinary fishermen and a despised tax collector. They were basically as ordinary as you can get. And yet, God, Jesus said to these 12 ordinary guys, You are the light of the world. I wonder if Peter didn't say, are you sure? Us? Can I ask you a question? Do you ever feel like your life doesn't matter? Do you ever desire to do something significant with your life? Listen to me. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, you know what he was saying? The potential of your life is staggering. You see, I understand that some of you work in a pretty dark place. You work at a place where the talk is dirty, maybe even blasphemous. Some of you work at a place where sin is laughed at and bragged about. Some of you work in a dark place where honesty and integrity are hard to find. You may work in a dark place where they are uh, mocking your faith. And laughing at your commitment. You're working in a very dark place. Or some of you may live in a very dark place. Your husband or your wife or your parents are not Christians. They don't share your faith. Their lifestyle and their convictions are the opposite of yours. And you want a Christian home or you want a Christian marriage. But it's hard when it feels like you're living in hell on earth. It might be that you're the only Christian living in that house. It might be that you're the only Christian working in that place. And the spiritual darkness can be overwhelming in that environment. But please hear me. That is where the light is most noticeable when it's in the midst of the darkness. In fact, put your finger there in Matthew, go over to the right. And find the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Paul, writing to the church of Philippi, talks about this idea of living a life that's noticeable. Philippians, chapter 2, beginning to verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, watch this, Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Paul was saying live a life in such a way that nobody ever has to ask you if you're a Christian. Live life in such a way that you look different from the people around you. Live life in such a way that you handle things differently from the people you live with or the people you work with. See, watch this, ladies and gentlemen, see if you agree with this. If so, I hope somebody will just kind of give me an amen today. But, but the lost people around you probably are not going to be impressed with what you don't do. And they're probably not going to be impressed with where you don't go. And the lost people around you are not going to be impressed with how many religious meetings you go to. But the thing that will impress them is if they see Jesus has actually made a difference in your life. You see, you are living proof. That there is another way to live. You are living proof that Jesus is real. Jesus says to you and me today, you are the light of the world. That's why if your Christianity stops at the church door on your way out, it's not good for much. A Christian should be just as much of a Christian in the factory as they are in church. A Christian should be just as much a, a Christian in the classroom as they are in, in church. You should be just as much a Christian, watch this, this is going to hit hard. You should be just as much a Christian on the golf course as you are in church. You should be just, much, just as much a Christian wherever you are as you are in church. And if your Christianity stops at that door as you're leaving, I don't even know if you are a follower of Jesus. Jesus didn't say you are the light of the church. Jesus said you are the light of the world. And in that world, it ought to be obvious, noticeable, that you're a follower of Christ. Number two, God calls you to live a life also that is strategic. God calls you to live a life that is strategic. In chapter 5, verse 15, look what Jesus said. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, in the days of Jesus, when he spoke those words, he was talking about a lamp like this one. Various sizes, but most of the lamps in Jesus' day were fashioned like this one. I got this in Israel. And the lamps in that day... Uh, had a, a larger hole where you would pour the olive oil in. And then they had a smaller hole where you would stick the wick down into the oil. And Then you just light that wick, and that was your lamp. That was your light in your home. And so to the disciples that day, Jesus said, Don't, Let's think about this. As he was making application of this point that you were the light of the world, as he made that application, he said, Let's think about this. You, nobody lights one of these and then covers it up. What would be the purpose of that? He said, no, you light one of these and you place it strategically where it can help you in the darkness. Let that sink in for a moment. You don't randomly light a lamp and just set it down. In that day when when there was so much darkness and so little light, see, we've grown up in a time where we have lights everywhere. But in that day where there was darkness everywhere and so little light, Jesus said, when you light a lamp, you place it strategically on a stand. You place it there for a purpose. You place it there on purpose. You place it there because light is needed there in the darkness. Could it be? That the reason that you're working where you're working or you're living where you're living is that Jesus has strategically placed you as light in the darkness? Could it be that you've had a bad attitude about your work when really Jesus is saying, but you're there for a purpose? Yes, it's a dark place. And they desperately need the light. And I've put you there strategically. Strategically to be that light. See, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have what the world needs. Our life is supposed to be obvious. Our life is supposed to be noticeable. Uh, And sometimes Jesus deliberately, strategically puts us where we are. So you don't need to be intimidated by the darkness because you perhaps have been placed where you are Because what you have is needed so badly. So embrace who you are. You are the light of the world. And embrace where you are. Because you're there. Because darkness is there. Number three. It's probably this next one that makes us most uncomfortable. But here's number three. Number three is this. God calls you to live a life that points to Him. God calls you to live a life that points to Him. You're probably not uncomfortable with that statement, but you may be uncomfortable with the verse. Verse 16. Here's what it says, Matthew 5, verse 16. In the same way, notice that statement. In the same way, just like a city on a hill cannot be hidden in the same way just like you light a lamp and you strategically place it in the darkness in the same way verse 16 your light let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven there's a couple of words you might want to underline let your light you might want to underline that phrase your light Shine before men that they may see. You might want to underline that word. See. Let your light shine before men that they may see. And here's what makes us uncomfortable. That they may see your good deeds. Jesus was saying, listen, I don't want you just to believe something. I don't want you to just feel something. I want you to do something. I want it to be noticeable that you're a follower of mine. Now that sounds strange to us, it doesn't seem quite right. In fact, if you're somebody that studies your Bible, you might recognize, Pastor, No, wait a minute, didn't Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, the next chapter over, didn't Jesus once condemn theatrical religion? And the answer is yes, and we actually talked about that this past Wednesday night. Jesus did condemn theatrical religion. But also, you need to understand this, Jesus also here is condemning theoretical religion that never does anything. Yeah, he doesn't like theatrical religion that's all show, but he also doesn't like theoretical religion that doesn't do anything. He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds, your good works. You see, if you have an invisible faith, it is useless to those who are in darkness. Hey, did you hear that church? If you have an invisible faith, it's it's useless to the people who are in darkness. You need to do something, Jesus said. You need to be noticeable. Now, before you start pushing back too hard, let me say that's how some of you came to faith in Christ. Because there was this guy, or there was this girl, and the way that they lived their life was just different. In a good way. There was this guy, there was this girl, and it just kind of got your attention. You didn't know the Lord, but something that they said or something that they did got your attention, and it drew you to the God that they knew. That's part of my testimony. My mom and dad, as I was growing up, I recognized they had something I did not have. Though I was going to church with them and reading the Bible with them and praying with them at night. There was something in their life I didn't have. And as I watched the way that they did life, as I watched the way that Dad conducted his business, as I watched the way that they treated people and cared for people, ministered to people, there was something I saw in them that I didn't see in me. And it drew me to the God that they knew. Now, let me be clear. The goal is not just to draw attention to yourself. It's much bigger than that. You're not just trying to do something to draw attention to yourself. Jesus said, no, here's the goal. Look at verse 16. Let your light shine that they may see before men, that they may see your good deeds. And here it is. And praise your Father in heaven. C.S. Lewis said it well. Somebody might want to get ready to put an amen here. Because C.S. Lewis was so good when he said, Don't shine so that others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see Him. That's good. Now listen to me. That's why we're having Love Loud this year. We want to give you a chance to let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Some of you are new and you have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about Love Loud. So let me explain it to you. This is basically a one-day missions trip to our community. As a church family, we go all over the United States and all over the world on mission trips, serving people, and I'm so thankful that we do. But we also need to do that in our community. So on that one day, hundreds of us will go out and we will serve the people in our community on a one-day mission trip for the whole family. I mean, it's for children, it's for teenagers, it's, it's for adults. You don't even have to be a member of our church to participate. In fact, if this is your very first Sunday here, we still want to invite you to be part of that day. It's on March 23rd, and we're going to do something a little bit different this year. We're asking that BSF classes find a project and go out and serve together as a class. So that's a little bit different approach this year. You say, well, I'm not in a BSF class, so how do I participate? Well, if you're not in a BSF class, all you have to do is call Chris Metters. His number is on the bulletin. Or email him. Or, better yet, go to MountAiryBaptist.com and you can sign up online. And we'll put you on the team if you're not already in a BSF class. You know, you've, you've heard it said, actions speak louder than words. And that's really what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. Let, he's saying, let your light shine that people can see that you need to have a love that's more than something that you feel. You need to have a love that's more than something that you say. You need to have a love that's real and that's visible, that's noticeable. So let's let this community see the love of God on March 23rd. Let's let this community See God's love in action. Let's show people that God loves them and not just tell them. I want to ask you to bow your heads and let me talk to you for just a moment as we close the service. Think again about these three points. God calls you to live a life that's noticeable. Number two, God calls you to live a life that is strategic. Number three, God calls you to live a life that points to Him. During this invitation, my my prayer is that the Spirit of God would work in your heart in such a strong way that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you'd surrender today. I'm here to help you with that. I'm here to introduce you to Jesus. If you, as soon as we stand, you can come down front, and I'd be happy to help you understand how you can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Others here today, you said, Pastor, I know I'm a Christian, but tell you what, where I'm living, where I'm working, I don't know that I'm letting my light shine. I, my love for Jesus probably is not noticeable, and I just need to ask the Lord to help me and please feel free to come to the altar during this invitation. Please feel free to come to the altar and say, God, I believe you have strategically placed me where I am, though I may not even like it. May I be your light in the midst of this darkness. Just commit it to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful that there was a day when the light of the world came into the world in the form of Jesus. And may we point others to Him by the way we live our lives. I pray that in Jesus' name.